This is Kyle Brooks, and welcome to The Deep End. As I write this, we are on day 10 of what some are calling a revival at Asbury University. There's a link in the show notes to a story out of NBC News. Apparently, an ordinary service started on February 8th, and it just hasn't stopped. Now, I went to a Christian college where I was required to attend a chapel service three times a week. We actually punched a card to confirm attendance. So let me tell you, chapel longer than 45 minutes was not the norm. So I'm taking a quick break from the Saver series to write about this phenomenon that has been blowing up social media for over a week now. In fact, according to NBC News, as of February 15th, hashtag Asbury Revival has over 24.4 million views on TikTok. Is it revival? If you're curious about how this compares to other revivals in recent church history, I would recommend Scott's newsletter from Scott McKnight, who shares an article from Thomas Lyons, PhD in New Testament at Northern Seminary. It's a helpful primer as a point of historical comparison. There's a link to it in the show notes, but personally, I don't think it's possible to cast judgment just yet, even if we wanted to. It just hasn't been long enough. As Tim Keller has written, and again, I'll provide a link in the show notes, true revival that is, the coming alive or spiritual awakening of the church, isn't just limited to the worship service, however long it may last. No, it bears fruit in new faith and social movements of justice. Nevertheless, for days, I've seen videos, articles, and blog posts about whether or not the worship and prayer and record crowds at Asbury University is or is not a legitimate Revival. Some say it's quintessential American emotionalism on overdrive. Others counter that the music wasn't professional and the preaching was just sort of average. The lights are even on most of the time. What else but the spirit could bring emotion out of that? Some say that it has been fueled by social media, and that proves that it's not powered by the spirit of God. Others counter why can't the God of the universe use social media? But here's my question. It's been 10 days. Why do we feel the need to diagnose what's happening at Asbury University so quickly? The answer may reveal more about ourselves than we think. Reason number one. So we can validate our predetermined theologies. Whether you're an agnostic or Christian, charismatic or cessationist, you probably have an impulse to decide whether or not God's Spirit is, quote, really pouring out on people in Kentucky. I know I do. For those of us who read about this phenomenon or watched a video of the peaceful Kentuckian worship, it's bizarre, to say the least. These college students skipped the Super Bowl for chapel. Like the tongues of fire on Pentecost, this wild phenomenon gets many of us asking the question, what does this mean? When something new arises, when an event is out of the ordinary, 
our pattern-making and maintaining brains go to work, fitting it into the way we already see the world. Already an atheist? If you're charitable, you probably think this is some kind of emotionally driven communal groupthink at best that has evolutionary roots in religion's capacity to strengthen tribal ties. Already a Christian who's experienced emotional manipulation by Christian leaders? You're no doubt deeply skeptical and probably a tad dismissive the second someone shouts, Revival! You might have a right to be. Already a charismatic Christian praying for revival? This is definitely an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It has all the signs. Very few of us have an impulse to wait and see. Because that might require us to change if it turns out not to fit our paradigm. Reason number two. So we can recreate, or control, revival. For those who are quick to jump on the revival bandwagon, I wonder if part of the motivation is a hope that we can suss out the secret sauce of the Spirit. A pinch of prayer, a cup of confession, a heaping spoonful of humble worship. Make sure young people are the head chefs, and you have your recipe for revival. I've heard and read of so many people flocking to Asbury to experience this worship service, hoping to export it to their own university or church context. Now, don't get me wrong. As a Christian pastor, I hope and long for God's presence to be experienced in powerful ways in my church, in my city, and in the world in general. But just as Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. If it really is God's Spirit that brings revival, that means we can't manufacture it. We can't control it. All we can do is put up a sail to catch the wind of God's Spirit if it blows. Reason number three, so we can avoid an uncontrollable God. For those of us quick to dismiss revival, I wonder if the hang-up is just the flip side of reason number two. We don't want a God we can't control. In the same way, some tempted by the revival recipe want a God who comes whenever he's called. People motivated by reason number three don't want a God who comes when he's not called. See, it's a little terrifying and incredibly humbling to believe in a God that really can do whatever he wants. I have big plans this week, God. Please don't make me stay in church all week. A God who does from time to time pour out his spirit in incredible, even preternatural ways is not a God I can trust to follow my calendar, my ambitions, my desires, and my timelines. No, revivals don't happen. Miracles don't happen. God doesn't have that kind of power or authority to dictate our lives. That's way too inconvenient. But if God does exist, how could he not be more powerful than I am? How could he not have more authority over my life than I do? A God who only came when I wanted him to, in the way I wanted him to, would not be God. He'd be a genie, 
easily put back in his bottle. A spirit who could bring revival at any time, however he wanted, is the only kind of spirit I find intellectually credible. Reason number four, we eagerly desire the powerful presence of God. Finally, and a little more positively, I think some of us are quick to diagnose Asbury's service as revival because we want it so badly for ourselves. We long for the peace of God's presence to replace our anxieties. We long for the joy of God's presence to replace our grief. We long for the love of God's presence to replace our loneliness. We long for God. Maybe we've experienced something akin to this service at Asbury and our skin tingles when we think about it. This motivation, contrary to the first three, is not motivated by fear. It's motivated by hope and love and longing. Even if it might not be wise to let this longing adjudicate the authenticity of Asbury's revival, I still hope we can hold on to that desire that's been kindled in us and fan it into flame in our own lives. Even if the Asbury revival can't, strictly speaking, be exported to your community, at least it can plant a seed of longing and faith that can grow into a great tree of spiritual renewal in your own life and community. Thank you for listening to The Deep End with me, Kyle Brooks, the podcast where I basically just read my blog if you like to take it in via audio instead of reading with your eyeballs. This is the place to come. You can follow or subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to actually subscribe to the blog or the podcast to get it into your inbox, you can go to my Substack, kylebrooks.substack.com, kylebrooks.substack.com, and you can find any of the links or references I made here or that I linked in my blog in the show notes. Hope to see you next time, and thank you.